Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. But how many brought your Bible with you today? Did you? Let's make our confession today. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same. Say it louder. Say, I'll never be the same. A little bit louder now. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah real big. Come on. Oh, hallelujah. We give the Lord praise and glory. That died awful quick. Somebody say hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. I tell you what, I don't want us to be in a contest today because we're all ready to praise God, aren't we? We're ready to worship Him in spirit and in truth today in this house. We're going to be receiving something from God today. And so what a blessing it is for you and me to be here today on this beautiful rainy day. I love the rain. And it's having a great time outside. The earth is bringing forth. It's, it's budding. It's springtime. All the good, good things are happening out there. And with the rain on our hearts with the Word of God today, it'll bring forth in us too. Our scripture we've been looking at as a text is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 45. I have the New King James Version there on the overhead. It says, A good man... Out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. What we are reading when we read Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, we are reading the wisdom of the universe. It is God's word that was spoken through his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has told us this principle. Our lives, indeed our world, works this way. Whether you recognize it or not, it doesn't matter. It's still the principle. If you have never heard about gravity, it doesn't matter. When you drop things, they still fall down. And it's the same is true when we look at God's word. Jesus said that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, will bring forth that which is good or good things. The reverse is true. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, will bring forth those things that are evil. And he gives this underlying principle of how it's working for It's of the abundance of the heart. It's what you fill your heart with, what, what you are overflowing with, what you are running over with, what's, what you are full of. The, out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth will speak. The mouth, then, is involved in this. He's speaking from the abundance of his heart. His mouth is speaking, and that mouth is indeed our treasure. That's how we're bringing forth things into our life. 
it begins with this little hole in our head right here. We call a mouth. That's where it starts. You can look at your whole life and you can see it many, many ways. If you made agreement or something to buy a house or a home, you made agreement and said, we're going to do this. I'm going to do this. You agreed to it. If you made or are married like Sheila and myself, you at one time said, I do, or you said, I will. Whenever you speak to people, you give them your word. I'll be there. I'll do this. We live our lives by our mouth. It's not any different. In fact, it's a principle that just underlies everything. It works that way in the kingdom of God. And Jesus gave it to her very strongly. We looked at this verse several weeks ago. What we saw in Matthew 12, he said this, verse 36, By the words of your mouth you'll be justified, and by the words of your mouth you'll be condemned. And so I have an opportunity to live justified before God. Who wants to be justified? Somebody say amen. Amen. And so I want to be justified, just if, if I never sinned, we talk about it like that, justified, made the righteousness of God. I want to be right in my sayings, right in my doings, right in my living. I want to do that. And he says it's by the words of your mouth, Leon. That's how it's going to work. By what's coming out your mouth is very, very important. We saw in Psalms 89, 34, where the Lord said uh, through the psalmist, David, my covenant I won't break. I won't alter the word that's gone out of my mouth. And so God's very serious about words that he speaks and what comes out of his mouth to the degree that he doesn't alter it. You're not a human, and sometimes we might say something foolish or stupid or unwise, and if we do, we need to change it real quick. But God's not that way, so he never has to alter anything. And so if you were born in this world and this world taught you, taught you how to speak and how to think, you're probably going to have to alter a lot of that. Because the world taught you and said you're no good, you're nothing, you're nobody. My, the world we live in today is even trying to tell you you don't even know what sex you are when you're born. We live in an idiot world today. And they will make idiots out of everybody that will listen to them and believe them. But that is not the case for you and me. Somebody shout amen. Not at all. No, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to alter whatever's been in our life that's different. God doesn't have to, but, but we do. And we're going to alter it unto the Word of God. We looked at that. We saw in Scripture... How that the Lord himself, God Almighty, when he created everything, Genesis chapter 1, you could easily go there, in 1-1, one, one, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And for the next, rest of that chapter, he talks about six days worth of work that he does. And time and time and time and time and time again, every time, six times, he says, and the Lord said, God said, let there be. 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 And we found out that God, who is Almighty God, who could have done things any kind of way he wants to do them, uh, if you think about it, maybe he might could have, uh, you know, flashed a bolt of lightning or something like that or thundered real big and caused this, that. But no, he does it by his word. This world, in fact, that we live in, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that the worlds we were in, they were framed, put together, the ages, the time. They're put together by the spoken word of Almighty God. And that's how he lives his life. We, we saw that. We looked into Hebrews 1 and 1 or 1 verse 3. It says he upholds all things. By the word of his power. Everything is upheld by the word of God. We looked at that just a little bit. And, and then we begin to look a little bit further at Jesus' use of words. We, we saw God the Father, of course. By his word, all things are created. And then we see the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry here on earth for 33 and a half years. He talks about his words. And people talk about his words. And they say when he spoke, his word was with power. We found out that when he prayed for sick people, he did it through voice. We found out when he cast out devils, the Bible says that he cast out devils with his word. We saw Jesus get up and talk to storms with his word. 
He didn't go in and say, okay, I'm changing the molecular structure of this storm pattern and this is what I'm doing. No, he spoke to it with his words and the storm ceased. When he looked at that tree that didn't have any fruit on it, he cursed that tree. And the next day they come by and the tree's dead. And they realize that what he had done when he spoke to that tree, it killed it. Words killed it. And so God Almighty himself used his words to create all we know anything about. Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry used his words again and again and again and again. And then we look at the New Testament saints. We saw Peter himself. He's preaching on the day of Pentecost. And he's preaching with words. He's telling them in Acts 2.37. It says, when they had heard this, they were pricked. What did they hear? They heard the word that Peter was preaching. In Acts chapter 2, verse 40, it said, and many other words did he testify and exhort, saying. Listen to that four times. With many other words did he testify and exhort, saying. Four words right there in the space of five or six words together all have to do with words. And that's how he's doing what he is doing by his words. We looked at him. We saw him when he healed the sick. And the, the man that was lame at the gate called Beautiful. And he said to them, uh, Jesus makes you whole. Get up. Get up from there. Get up. Jesus has made you whole. Those are words. He told us in Acts chapter 3, verse 16, this man was made strong by the name of Jesus and faith in a name. Faith in the name. The name Jesus is a word. And, and so we cannot escape it. We cannot deny it. We go through it again and again and again in Scripture. And we see that this thing operates by words. And if you and I don't get that right in our lives, then everything else is not going to go according to God's plan in our life and not be what God wants us to do in life, not what he wants us to have in life. And it's not going to work out for us. In other words, whatever comes out of your mouth, whatever you're saying, whatever you're talking, whatever you're meditating on before it came out your mouth, whatever you're putting in your heart, fill it with abundance, that's coming out your mouth. And so you have to change what you're saying if you're saying the wrong thing. And if you're saying the right thing, you need to keep saying it, speaking it, confessing it, professing the word of God over your life, speaking words to your life. That's how things happen. We, we looked at that a little bit and began to talk about that. Uh, look with me. Let me show you something. In Acts chapter 10, verse 35. Turn there. Acts chapter 10, verse 35. When pre uh, Peter is preaching the word of God to Cornelius and his household, he's been told to go down there and preach to them. And the Bible says that he opened his mouth and he said things to him. He opened his mouth and said something to him. And you know what? That's how you make words happen. Sometimes, you know, uh, I, I realize that uh, who God is, and I love God, and I pray. But you know what? I pray, I talk. I open my mouth, and I say thanks to God. I know sometimes we have this thing, well, I'm just praying silently. This is just silent prayer. What, what, what are you doing? It's your imagination. Well, if you don't be careful, sometimes your imagination can run away with you, right? And sometimes that can happen. But, but still, you know, I'm, I'm not praying to God through my imagination. I don't find in Scripture where the Bible teaches us to imagine our prayer to God. No, I find in Scripture when he says, when you pray, say this. When you pray, say this. And we do. What God, we sung that song about the Lord's Prayer today. We speak, we talk, we say things to God. It is our words. When Peter is preaching to the household of Cornelius, God had told Cornelius, go call Peter. He's living with a guy named Simon on Straight Street and have him to come down. He'll pray for you and he will tell you words whereby you ought to be saved. He'll tell you what you ought to do. The gospel moves by words. That, that's how it happens. The gospel takes place by the preaching of the word of God, by the teaching of the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells, I believe about verse 19, 18, somewhere right there. It tells us that by the foolishness of preaching, 
God has chosen man should be saved by that method. It's by the exhortation. It's by the word going forth. The word changes things in our hearts and our lives. It brings a conviction of the Holy Spirit on us. We hear the word of God, and it has an effect on us and in us. Well, he's preaching that word uh, to Cornelius. In Acts 10, verse 35, it says this. He said, In every nation he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. In verse 36, The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. In other words, when Jesus comes, he doesn't come and says, I'm just changing the hearts and minds of everybody by miraculous action. What he does is he comes preaching, speaking the word of God. Look real quick with me. Turn over to Luke chapter 4, verse 18. You got your Bible? Flip over there, tap it in. I want you to see this in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Look at it for yourself. Don't let me tell you one word that you don't see in Scripture. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Here's what the Bible says. When Jesus came into this world, Scripture says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. First words he says when he goes into the synagogue and announces himself, as begins his preaching ministry, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? Somebody tell me what? To do what? To preach, right? He's anointed me to preach. He didn't say he's anointed me to come in here and do all these miraculous things, which there was anointing for that. We'll, we'll see that. But no, he said the Lord anointed him, the Father God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, anoints Christ Jesus who's come to live in this life as a man like you and I live, to give himself to die on a cross. He has been anointed of the Spirit of God, and he says that the Spirit of the Lord hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Notice that, preach the gospel to the poor. Preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to captives, recovering of the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those that are bruised. Verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. In those two verses, verse 18, verse 19, three times he talks about speaking, talking, saying, preaching. Three times. The ministry of the Lord Jesus is a ministry of the authoritative Word of God and preaching and speaking that to us. That's what changes our lives. I mean, you know, people can do different things in earth, and I realize there's a validity among a lot of things in this life. There really are. If you are in a circumstance or a situation uh, that you've lost your home, maybe through a fire, you need family to come together and friends to come together and community to come together to help you restore things, that, that, that feed back into your life. If you've got other things happening in your life through difficult circumstances with sickness or disease or a problem, you need support groups. You need people that are around you. But you know what? We do not need any of those things at the exclusion of the Word of God. Because when Jesus came, what did he do for the poor? What did he do to them? He preached to the poor. Reckon what he told the poor. I can imagine he told them, you ain't got to be poor no more. You don't have to be poor anymore. I imagine he preached the word. He's preaching. He's not doing anything else. It didn't say he handed them a bottle of water. It didn't say he gave them a meal. I mean, it, it says here that he preached to the poor. Let them know. 
And, you know, that, that's the thing about all of us today. We have to get to that understanding. If you had the choice, if you had the choice, and I said, all right, come down this morning, I'm going to write you a check for $100,000 and, and, and give you $100,000 in the service this morning. I said, okay, you can either have that or I will tell you. I will instruct you how that you can make $10,000, a million dollars. What would you do? Would you come collect the $100,000 check? Or would you say, forget the check. I want you to tell me how to get the 10000 I want you to tell me how to get the million. And we live in a world today to where we really don't understand the value of words that come in our heart, our mind, and our spirit, and the power that we've got in us. We don't have to live by whatever the world deals out to us. We live by the word of God. Somebody say amen. That's how we live in this earth. And Jesus came preaching the gospel unto the poor. I was that way. You were that way. All of us, we were poor in spirit. We were poor in a lot of ways. We were poor financially, poor in a lot of different directions in our life. But the Lord God brought his principles of how to do things. You and I learn those things. We speak them into our life. We begin to do them in our life, and we see our life change. That's how it works in this life. That's how things take place. Okay, so he's preaching that gospel. Now, now back up with me to Matthew. Go back to Matthew's gospel, chapter 4. Matthew's gospel, chapter 4, and let me show you what, what the Word of God says here concerning Jesus. Matthew 4, verse 25. Matthew 4, and uh, let's see, I'm sorry, verse 23. Matthew 4, verse 23. Scripture says, and Jesus went about all Galilee. Notice what he's doing. Teaching. Teaching in their synagogues. And preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. He's doing three things. Teaching, preaching, healing. Teaching, preaching, and healing. Teaching, preaching, and healing. If you know anything about fractions, we see him teaching and we see him preaching two-thirds of what is mentioned has to do with words. Two-thirds of it. And yet many people today want to live their life to the word, only want the healing. The healing is good. He's doing that. Absolutely. That's good. But they only want you to, let's say, do it for me, give me something, make it work for me, and they don't realize there's a part that they have to play. And that's why Jesus is teaching them, teaching them how to live here on planet Earth, preaching to them exhorting to them and the things of the kingdom of God and yes healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease that that's one place you can go another place I wrote down in, in chapter 9 of the book of Matthew and in 9 verse 35 listen what it says Matthew 9 verse 35 Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom healing every sickness and every disease among the people and that's just in the book of Matthew. We can find the same kind of statements made in Mark, Luke, and John. We can find where Jesus is continually preaching and teaching. And in the book of Mark, book of Mark, if you don't turn anywhere else this morning, make sure you turn there. Mark chapter 6 and look at verse 1. Let me show you something. If you can get past this right here and get this concept in your heart and your mind, this is going to be a long ways in learning how to receive from God. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible says, When he came out from there... He came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. How many are a disciple of the Lord? Say amen. What do disciples do? What do they do? They follow him, don't they? And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach. Well, there he is again. He's teaching. He just doesn't get away from this teaching that he had. He begins to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him. So he's teaching, and they're hearing. Teaching and hearing. And they were astonished, saying... 
from where did this man get these things? What kind of wisdom is this that's given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought at his hands? Well, there's the three things again, teaching and preaching. And there he is as he's doing both of those things. They're hearing, and there's the mighty works. But they, they can't quite understand it. They look at it and say, well, what's going on here? Because they know him. And they know he grew up down the street from him. They know, you know he's the carpenter. He says in verse 3, is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary, the brother of James, Joe, Judah, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us, and they were offended at him. In other words, they see so much about him that looks natural. It looks like it's on this earth. It looks like human, and they just blocking themselves. Now, Jesus, verse 4, says this. A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country. In other words, everywhere I go, people honor me, respect me, he's saying. But in my own country where they know me, they don't do that. And then he said, among his own kin and in his own house. And verse 5, notice the result. Notice the result of their unbelief. And he could there do no mighty work, except that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Notice verse 5. He could there do no mighty work. He couldn't do anything. I thought he was Jesus. He is Jesus. That was the Son of God. He is the Son of God. I thought he was anointed of the Holy Ghost, as Acts chapter 10, verse 38 tells us, that God, you know, Jesus Christ went about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil for God was him. Absolutely. But that only works as when he teaches and they hear and they believe. If he teaches, they don't hear and won't hear him, and they do not believe him, they don't get the rest. And you now have to come to that understanding in our life the Lord will teach us and instruct us and tell us what we ought to do in life and how do we live our lives. And if we'll do that, we'll begin to walk in God's blessings. But if you don't do that, you're not going to get the blessing. No matter how much God wants it for you, no matter how much God loves you, no matter how much you hurt, no matter how difficult your life is, until you begin to apply the Word of God unto your life, act on the Word of God, believe it, begin to speak it, begin to do it, you don't see the results of it. And notice what happens. You say, well, can't God fix me? Can't God help me if I'm not listening to his word, if I'm not listening to the instruction he's giving? Can't God do something for me? Yes, he can. Here it is. What did he do? Verse 5, there, not everywhere, but there, where they don't listen to the teaching, there where they don't hear, there where they argue with what is said, there he can do no mighty work. Not anywhere else, but there he can and say that he laid his hand on a few sick folk, healed them. Now notice, what is his answer? Verse 6, and they marvel because of their unbelief. What kind of unbelievers is this? Boy, I'm in a house of devils, he might have thought. I'm in a house of people that won't believe God. They won't hear what God says he can do, and they won't believe. He says, there's a lot of unbelief here. And so what does he do? He went round about the villages teaching. He didn't say, all right, come here, I'm going to zap you and take out the unbelief from you. He didn't do it. The cure for unbelief is the taught word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 tells us faith comes how? By what? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the more I put this word into my heart and the more I put it into my life, the more I meditate on it, the more it becomes who I am, then I begin to actually believe, hey, that's you, Leon. You can actually do those things. They'll actually work in your life. It's actually something you ought to really, really, really live your life by. 
And it'll bring forth the results. Every promise, we sing it. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter and every verse and every line. We're standing on the promises of God. Well, stand on them. Believe them. Stick it out. Know that that's where it's coming from. It's from the taught word of God. That's how I'm going to receive. When you get past that place, when I was first born again in October of 1975, and when I came to the Lord during that time, I was just saturating myself in the presence of God and, you know, just really just beginning. I had never really done a whole lot of a Bible study. I'd been to Sunday school all my life, but I'd never done any Bible study on a personal level, never read this, that, and the other. Didn't even have a Bible that, uh, you know, I, I could use at that time. I went and bought that, you know, that 99-cent dime store Bible at Ben Franklin's right here in Lawrence that I bought and uh, just started into those kind of things. But as I was doing that, it took me hearing the Word of God again and again and again to believe it. But in the route to that, I often wanted God just to do things for me. Just do that. Just do it. And I would say, Thank Lord, Lord God, just make me a better person. Lord, I don't want to be greedy. Make me not greedy. He never did make me not greedy. He never did make me a better person. He never did come down to me and force me to do this and force me to do that. He never did come down and just take my hands, my mouth, my eyes, my life, and lead God direct me, so to speak, and make me do things. What did he do? The Word of God began to come alive in my life. The first book I've read in my life was a book by T.L. Osborne called Healing the Sick and Casting Out Devils. And as I read that book, T.L. taught it in such a way that I knew I had to act on what he was saying. And as I began to act on it, I began to see tremendous change take place in my life. But not until. Not until. You must act on the Word of God. The Bible says in the book of James that if you think you just hear the Word and you walk away from it, then you're deceiving yourselves. If you think all you have to do is just hear the Word of God and not apply it to your life and not act on it and not do it and not speak it and not have actions in your life that confirm and conform to the Word of God, you're fooling yourself. James says you're deceived. And so once we realize that, we've got to recognize, here's the way my life's going to get successful. I'm going to hear the Word of God. I'm going to see what the Lord, Word says. And when, when I saw in Scripture that the Bible began to talk about different things and tell me, you know, that I don't hate anybody, I immediately say, well, I don't hate anybody anymore. What, what do you mean? You don't know what they did to you. It doesn't matter what they did to me. The Bible says that, that I'm not going to hate anybody, so I don't hate anybody anymore. The Bible says I love everybody, so I love everybody. Instantly. Instantly. Right now, I love everybody. I talked to a man many years ago. His son had done him wrong, and he hadn't seen his son, I don't know, five, ten years, whatever it was at that time, and actually told me he hated his own son. I said, he said, you want to know why? I said, I already know why. He said, why is that? I said, because you're disobeying the Word of God. He said, me? He's the one that did this and that and the other. I said, we're not talking about him. We're talking about why you hate him. And you're hating him because you're disagreeing with the Word of God. You are not standing on the Word of God. The Bible doesn't give you the right to hate him. You cannot hate him. You have to love him. You have to love him, not hate him. And we've got to realize there are principles in the Word of God that you and I have to act on. Well, that action begins in our life after we begin meditating on it, filling our heart with abundance, and we speak it out our life, and we begin to say things upon the Word of God. That's how it takes place. That's how it happens. Okay, Let, let's move on just a little bit further. We've looked at some of that in there. Look, go to the book of James. It's so powerful. We concluded there the last time. Look in the book of James, and let me just show you something here. You've got to understand this. This is where it's at. Uh, it's going to, you know, change lives. It's going to do all kind of things. I mean, you know, a word from God can change your life. A word from God will change your world. I got several books in my study that says the same thing. A word from God will change your life. Look at James chapter 3 and look at verse 1. Don't be many masters knowing 
that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Verse 2, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, if a person does not offend in his words, the same is a perfect man. But notice what he is able to do. If he does not offend in words, he is able to bridle, bridle or, or, turn, or bridle the whole body. So my words allow me to bridle this body. If my body is doing something I don't want it to do, the starting place for change in my body life is words in my mouth. Because Scripture clearly tells me a man is able to bridle his whole body. In fact, in James 1.26, James talks about this a good bit. In verse 26, he said, If a man among you seem to be religious and... I mean, you seem to be religious and bridles not his body or his tongue. He deceives his own heart and the man's religion is in vain. So if you're not, if you're not controlling your tongue, if you're not controlling and determining what your words will be, your religion is in vain. Somebody say amen. So, you know, when I read that, a person that wants to serve God and love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and body, and want to hear that the Lord's pleased with my life, when I hear that, what I say is this, my words are going to change. Leon, your words just changed. When you found out that if you don't bridle your tongue, your religion's in vain, no, my words have just changed. I'm bridling my tongue. Somebody say, I am bridling my tongue. If you've got horses, those kind of things, you recognize what a bridle is. Well, he talks about it. He put those, look at verse 3. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths. Why don't we do that? That they might obey us. Why don't you put words in your mouth? Why? So that you'll obey, obey God. It's the same analogy. He said, and with that, we're able to turn about their whole body. I don't know what horses weigh. What do they weigh? Five, six, seven hundred? I don't know how big they are. Those big horses that pull those big beer wagons, whatever they are, and you know, the big old giant things, whatever they are, I think they weigh a ton, uh, maybe not 2,000 pounds, but they, they weigh a bunch. But imagine how just a little bit of leather around a horse's mouth will lead the whole body. I mean, I'd like to have, you know, a bridle on a horse once when I had a horse and had several of the years and step on my foot. You ever try to get a horse's foot off your foot? I mean, you know, he bumping his knee, like, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, you ain't going to get him to move if he don't want to move. You know, you're just not big enough, bad enough, tough enough. You ain't going to get him to move if he don't want to move. He ain't going to move. And you're going to have to convince him. But you know what? You put that bit in his mouth, he'll go left, he'll go right, he goes forward, he slows down. Whoa, whoa, when I say whoa. You remember that? Whoa, when I say whoa. You know, you're trying to get him to go, which, and that bit does it. Why, why do you think he's saying that? He's just not trying to give us some type of a, a ranching uh, knowledge or give us a, a mini course and how to run a horse ranch. He's not doing that. He's saying just like that, your mouth, your tongue will control your whole body. Oh, I now have the secret. I have the secret now. I know how to fix Leon. I know how to get Leon to do what I want him to do and what God wants him to do. I've now got it. God's given me that wisdom. I got to make sure I control my mouth and start speaking like God wants me to speak. Because whatever comes out this mouth, 
is the way my body's going. I now have the secret. When you leave today, leave a $10,000 check every one of you as you go out for that bit of wisdom. But anyway, that's what it is. That's what it is. Imagine that. Imagine that. Oh, that'd make me much more than 10000 I mean, that'd make me hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars when I recognize I can control my mouth and I will control my body. Control your mouth. You control your body. Somebody say, control your mouth. Control your body. Say it again. Say, control your mouth. Control your body. Make it personal. Say, when I control my mouth, I control my body. Book of James, half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Both had the same mother. They had a different daddy, right? And Jesus' dad was the father God. James' dad was Joseph. In the same, he, he'd been around Jesus all this time. He knew this was important things to say. All right, look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, let me show you something there. Jesus, or, or John taught us, about forgiveness of sin. Oh, my. Here's one of the first places you ought to start. And when, since you realize how to do it, here it is. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If, you see that if? I, I got the King James Version. I don't know what version you got, but I got the King James. That word if, two letters, if, is in the King James Bible 1,522 times. And it always means that it's conditional. If is a condition. If you do, if you don't. If you will, if you won't. If is conditional. So in 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, if we do that, notice what it says. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Forgiveness of sins is available to all men. It is not extended to all men. It is not a reality in all men's life. It's a men, mankind. It's available. It's available. God wants men and women to confess their sins. They don't have to. They may or may not. That's why we've got the if there. And so John says, if we confess our sins, what will God do? He is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins. And so when I recognize that, here's what we do when we talk about applying that to our confession. If I miss the mark, if, if I've aimed at, the, at, at the, you know, the target and I've missed my target in life where God is concerned, if I found out what God's standard of life is and I don't live up to it and I sin and I do the wrong, if I do that, what do I do? Well, Scripture says that I should come to Him and confess my sin. Lord, you're right. That was a sin. I'm wrong. You're right. Confession means to agree with. It's not saying that, uh, you know what, this is a different age and different generation. We can act any way we want to act. God didn't understand some of these things, and this is just how. No, it's agreeing with him. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I sin. I confess my sins. When I do that before God, what's he going to do? He is faithful. He is just, and he will forgive me of my sins. As a child of God, how many believes the word of God? Say Amen. As a child of God that believes the Word of God, you should never doubt your salvation. You should never doubt your forgiveness of sin. Now, if you're still repenting over the same sin you repented over yesterday and the week before and the week before and the week before, then you're disobeying God's Word because what God tells us, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, and He'll forgive us of our sins. And so the moment you and I confess our sin before God, we are forgiven. 
When I confess my sin, I'm forgiven. Either that, and if you don't want to believe that, then we have to believe the, the Bible's a lie, and we're not going to do that. And so it must be the world that lies when they say, well, you're going to have to work this out and work this off and, you know, keep doing this and doing that. Maybe one day God will fill out forgive you. No, no. At the point we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Now, notice that, what he does. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let me ask you something. If you are cleansed of all unrighteousness, what does that leave you? What does it? Righteous, doesn't it? If you get rid of all the unrighteousness, then the only thing is left is the righteousness. And so whenever I come to God and confess my sin, he forgives me of my sin. He cleanses me. Then if that's the case, oh, Lord, hold on, don't get mad. If that's the case, well, we got more than half of the Christian church walking around saying they're just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. Why we got them all walking around saying they just still do a bunch of sinners? Why we got them walking around saying, well, I sin every day? Remember my story, sin every day? Let me ask you something. Here again we are. What time is it by my watch here? Mickey Mouse's little hands right there. It's like about 10 minutes to 12. Here we are on Sunday morning. And I don't know what time you got up. Did you get up at 6? Did you get up at 5? Or maybe like AJ, get up at, you know, 3.30 in the morning, lift weights about two days and, you know, run about 10 miles and whatever. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I can't do that. But anyway, uh, whatever time you got up, let me ask you something. How many today will be honest? How many going to be honest? Say amen. How many of you at least robbed one bank today? I don't see any of you. How, how many of you shot and killed somebody on the way to church this morning? I don't see any of you that's done that. I see somebody pointing at somebody. But anyway, you, you know, you, you haven't done that. How, how many have been unfaithful to your spouse or your husband or your wife this morning? Have you? I see you holding your hand down. You don't want to go up. All right. Well, sure. Well, you had sin yet today. In fact, you came to church. You did a good thing. Well, I really believe if you got up at, I don't know, 6, 7, 8, whatever time you got up this morning, and here are 12, you don't went about four or five hours so far and hadn't sinned a lick yet. I believe you can make, how many believes you make at least one more hour without sinning? I believe you can. And if you made another hour, you can probably make it the rest of the day. I believe you can. And if you make it the rest of the day, you probably can make it again tomorrow. Just get up to, all you got to do, get up tomorrow and do the same thing you did today. And you'll still have another day without sin. And, and so why are you still calling yourself a sinner? Why, why are you still calling yourself a sinner? We hear that in Isaiah chapter 55, the Bible talks about, you know, we look God's ways are higher than our ways. And my mind not like his. Read Isaiah 55 where I just quoted that scripture. Read, read it, read it, read what he says. And he says this, that's, that's what the wicked say. It's not what the righteous say. That's what the wicked say. We are the righteous. We say the word of God. And the Bible teaches us in Philippians that we have the mind of Christ. Everybody say, I have the mind of Christ. Turn with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and in verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's, let's get you to this place today where you can uh, leave here today and speak in the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Notice what the scripture says. In fact, let me get it out of a, a little easier translation. First Corinthians chapter six and verse nine. Here's what the Bible says. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? You better not be a sinner every day. If you do, you, you, you're not headed into the kingdom of God. The unrighteous don't inherit the kingdom of God. 
Don't be deceived. No, don't think you are when you're not. That's be called deception. Don't be deceived. Now, he gives a list here, a, a few. It's not all of them, but it's just a few of them. Neither fornicators. Sex outside of marriage, fornication. Sex to someone other than who you are legally, biblically married to. Not idolaters. Somebody that's, that's worshiping fallen idols, strange gods. God of anything. It could be God of money, God of anything. Idolaters. Not adulterers. Married folks who are running around on their spouses, ain't going to heaven. At least if you believe what the Apostle Paul said. If you listen to some preachers, ain't no, everybody's going to heaven according to them. But anyway, not according to the Apostle Paul. Not adulterers, nor, New King James Version, homosexuals. Not going. Somebody say amen. That's what he said. Nor sodomites. Not going. No matter if Target... The store is after your children and does have special sec sections in the front of their store that they were offering all of this gay pride junk that they had, trying to entice little children to wear pride colors and to make, I, I don't want to say it in this Sunday morning audience, but to make clothing that's supposed to be girls' clothing and they adapt it so it is still like a girl's clothes that boys can wear. You have to do a little research find out clearly what I'm talking about. I mean, they, they can do all they want to. They, they can talk about this trans stuff. You, you can saw something off or put something on your life. You can change your clothes. You can, you can wear the wrong clothes. You can do whatever you want to do on the outside to make yourself look different. But on the inside, You've got a little secret in there called XY chromosome if you're a man and then YY chromosomes if you are a woman. I'm sorry, XX chromosomes if you're a woman. And that tells who you are right there. It's scientific. Follow the science, they told us. That's scientific. You can act any other way you want to act, look any way you want, and you're still not, and you're in this era of homosexuality and sodomites, and you're not going in the kingdom of God. No matter how many churches, some in our own town, that allow people to teach sodomites, to teach Sunday school, not going. Not going. No matter, I mean, God forbid, I love every single pastor in church that's preaching the Word of God. And I, I'm, you know me, I'm far from ever being critical of anyone. I, you know, if we got a few little disagreements here and there, that's okay. That, that's, that's fine. This ain't no little disagreement. This is about people going to heaven and people not going to heaven. And it tells who's going and who's not going. And he lists them all right there. Thank God that some of the outcry of the people against Target and sending back their Target cards and calling Target and doing that kind of thing, thank God at the least they moved that display of their gay pride junk that they got up there to the back of the store, cutting it down just a little bit. And I've been following on the stock market. In the last two weeks, they've lost 9 billion dollars of capitalization amen nine billion dollars of people selling their stock said they don't want it let's get out we ain't funding that stuff anymore and you know what folks we're, we're on may what's may 28th gay pride week no month don't start june 1st and so they ramping this thing up rolling it up making it big as they can possibly made it they're trying they're trying to take over your mind and your very soul if they can get you into this, they can damn your soul for all eternity. 
They don't fully know that, but that's what they're doing when it amounts to this. Keep reading. Verse 10, nor thieves don't go, covetous persons don't go, drunkards don't go, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Short list. Now notice something. Here's what I really got here to see. Verse 11, and such were. Everybody say were. Not still are. Not still are. Such were. Not the best person in English and grammar, but I, I think that's past tense, isn't it? Such were. Some of you, such were some of you, not still are, you were. So while people keep running around saying, I'm just an old sinner, I ain't no good, and, you know, I'm just convicted, condemned, and I don't think the Lord's pleased with me, don't look. Why, why are we doing that? We're doing that because you have not changed your mouth to conform with the Word of God. We need to begin confessing what the Word of God says about us. And the Word of God tells me, when I ask God to forgive me of my sins, He says, I'm cleansed. I've been made whole. All unrighteousness is gone. Second Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, Him who knew no sin was made to be sin, that you and I might be made the righteousness of God. And so if you ask me who you are as a born-again child of God, if you ask me who I am as a born-again child of God, I am the righteousness of God. I am not just an old sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner. I did get saved by grace. But I'm not sinning any longer. It is not my practice. It is not my lifestyle. I am the righteousness of God. And that's what God says about me right now. That's who I am. I were that. What does it say in verse 11? And now you are sanctified. Now, or you are justified and sanctified. And the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. God's done a work in us. How many has God done a work in you? Say amen. And that we'll, we'll testify about that. Tell people what good things are happening in your life. Well, what if, uh, you know, my wife and I, we're coming up on 50 years of a, uh, our anniversary. What if I went around and told everybody, I can't stand her and, you know, all this stuff, don't love her, don't like her? No. You know, that'd be foolish for me to say things like that. I mean, I say what is. I say what is in our life. We were in, in love, having the time of our life, living together. We love it. We're enjoying it. It's been one 50-year-long date in my mind is what I see it like. And, and so we enjoy that. Why, why is people come to God? and get saved, and then walk off like they're still unsaved. And they don't get their mouth right. So you need to wash your mouth out, not with soap, but wash it out with the Word of God. And begin speaking and saying the things that the Lord says about us. Let me get this last one, and we'll get this, and then we're going to do some baptismal thing here. Let me pull myself back up where I was at. In Jesus' name. I know it's there. I know it's there somewhere. Well, well, let's see. Hmm. Okay, we'll do that. we will do this. And then we'll do that. Okay. There it goes. Oh, it keeps sliding off. There it is. Okay. Last one, Jude chapter 1, verse 24. Turn over there. Jude one twenty. If you go to the book of Revelation, back up one book, you'll be in the book of Jude. You back up just a verse or two, really, from the first of Revelation, you're going to see it. Jude chapter 1, verse 24 says this. Now to him that's able to keep you from falling. How many believe God can keep you? Keep him doing what? Keep him from falling, right? I believe he can. I believe God can keep me from falling. I believe it. And he says, and to present you faultless. Present me faultless. He will present me faultless, he said, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. The life that you and I live as born-again children of God should be a life to where we live like the Word tells us to live. How do we do that? By His power, His grace, and His mercy. What do we do? We simply order our life and turn it around by the words that we speak and the things that we say. Do that. 
you'll see a change. I, I see people all the time in various situations, circumstances in life that are going on. Maybe, you know, husband and wife are having some difficulty, and you say, well, what are you saying to each other? Well, he said nothing about two weeks now. Well, no wonder you don't have a good relationship. No wonder you haven't. Or somebody come in, I say, well, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How's your wife doing? Oh, the old lady, she's doing all right, I guess. The old lady? No, 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 no. You, you don't. Yeah, that's not the way to talk. You know things are like that in life that's going to work for you and not work for you. You should also know that that's how the system works. That's how the world works. And God has created of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. And a good man out of the good treasure's heart will bring forth good things. And so if you want good things in your life, you're going to have to speak them. If you want evil things, speak evil things. No difference. But you know what? Let's do this. Let's do this before we proceed with our baptism service. Maybe you're in the service today, and you haven't. I've talked about it. But maybe you haven't confessed your sins unto the Lord. Maybe you've never, ever been born again in your life. Or, like a lot of folks today, maybe you were born again, but somewhere along the way you sort of ventured to the side and to the left or to the right. You're really not living where you know you need to live before God, not living like you know that you ought to live. Some people say, well, I'm backslidden. That's fine. And some people say, well, I'm just out of fellowship. That's fine. So whatever you want to say doesn't matter. Just so that you know right now if things aren't right between you and God, you need to make them right. You need to get them right. And I want to give everybody an opportunity today in the house of God to do exactly what it says. Here's what will happen. The scripture tells us if we believe in our heart on the Lord Jesus Christ, if we make confession with our mouth that he is our Lord, we will be saved. That's just how it works. That's the starting place for it. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. How many in the house believe Jesus is the Son of God? I think everybody in this whole house does. Everybody does. And the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So all you got left to do is confess with your mouth. Now you say it like this, you're half saved already because you believe. So now all you got to do is put your confession to it. And what's going to happen when you confess is your life is going to start conforming to the ways of God. God will cleanse you and give you the power to live a faithful life for him. Let everybody bow their head in the whole house today. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, you see each and every one of us in this house. I pray, Lord God, Lord God, that you touch each of our hearts and our lives to examine ourselves. And if there's anything in us, Lord, that's not like Jesus, Lord, for you to remove it, for you to cleanse it, and wash it away with your blood. And Father, if there's anyone in the house today that doesn't know you, I pray that they come before you today in salvation. Lord, if anyone has wandered away, Father God, or wherever they're at in their wilderness experience, I pray, Lord, that they return on you faithfully committed. And, Lord God, may your hand be upon us just for that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you do this just to, 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 to recognize a prayer today as we pray together? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you just slip your hand up? Just hold your hand up. It's not just one of us, but all of us. Come on, slip your hand up all over the building. Come on, slip it up. I got mine up. Come on, slip it up. Slip it up. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. We're going to pray together. Slip your hand up and just pray this prayer. Say, Dear Father... I come to you in Jesus' name. Look into my heart and my life. Anything you see there that is not like Jesus, take it away. I confess my sin. I give it all to you. And I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and he is the Lord of my life. Lord Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. And so in Jesus' name, I believe... I am washed, cleansed, made whole, born again in righteousness of Jesus this day. And for you, Lord God, I will live this day.
and every day forevermore. In Jesus' name, somebody say hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. Glad that you prayed that prayer. If you need any help, if you need anything else, let us know. If you don't have a Bible, I'll give you a Bible. It won't cost you anything. I've got a great book, a Bible study that put together to help you live your life as a Christian. That doesn't cost you anything. Nothing does. In the service, different times, if you need any of those things, let me know. I'll be glad to help you and give you those things and bless you with them. I think we're about ready for baptism now. Right on cue. He's right there. AJ's got it. Amen. How many is thankful for Jesus and his saving precious blood? Amen. We're going to water baptize several people today, which, of course, this is a, a public display of a personal decision to follow Jesus. How many has decided to follow Jesus? Amen. No turning back, right? Cross before us, the world behind us, no turning back. So we've got several people that are going to be baptized today in water as a public display of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the very first one going to start us off today is Mr. Braden. Come on in, Braden. All right. Would you like to say anything, Braden? Okay. All right. Not a problem. All right. Got a few waiting stations here. As they make their way down the steps, they just drip off a little bit. That way they don't baptize y'all when they come out. Or would you like to say anything else? It is a real joy to have Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Amen. I think we can agree with that. All right. This next one, it's a joy to baptize. I told him I was going to hold him under a few more seconds just to make sure. And I'm going to say something here. I'm proud of you, Matt. I love you. Your brother in Christ, and I'm thankful for you. I just... I don't want to brag on you, but I'm going to brag on you for a few seconds. Over the past year, year and a half, I've just seen a mighty change in you. Thankful for how much you love the Lord and how much you care for him in his church. Would you like to say anything? Um, I just want to encourage anybody that um, if you haven't already, just to truly follow Jesus and do his works. And, and it truly will bring you uh, peace and blessings more than you could ever imagine.
I don't know why I'm drying my hands off now. He told me he was going to do it. I didn't know if he was going to take me up on it or not. That's all right. All right. Come on. Very special young man. Going to be getting water baptized today as well. A bold young man. We'll take a picture here. And I believe you said you wanted to say something, didn't you, Alden? I'm glad that I'm here today getting baptized. Amen. I'm very proud of you, Alden. And Jesus is your Lord and Savior, isn't he? You put your faith and trust in him. You've come a long way too, my friend. Amen. Good to see young people baptized, amen? Hallelujah. All right, Rob. All right. Miss Riley, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? He's your Lord and Savior, and you love him, don't you? Amen. And we've got one more. I think they say they save the best for last, huh? This one, he told me, you know, no need to take a bath. He just brought a bar of soap with him, so he may stay in a little bit longer. I don't know. This is a, a great privilege to be baptized in gospel, from Gospel Tabernacle. Um, I grew up in a household that rejected Jesus Christ. And he came through his spirit to me. And I do love him greatly. He has saved my life, changed my life. And I'm grateful to be here. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, rejoice, house of God. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I was lost, but now I've been found. Thank God. Amen. A public confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning. We'll go before the Lord in prayer and be. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Head on back. Everybody sit back down. This is important. This is important. All right, AJ. That's all right. Amen. 
And if you want to be baptized, you don't bring clothes. We've got towels and everything back here for you. All right. Rusty sort of recommitted. Well, not sort of. He has recommitted. Amen. So if that's accepting admissions now if you want to come. Water's what, 90-something degrees? Yeah. Yeah. Bring them on. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. Come on, brother. You got anything in the in your case? It's been forty plus years, and God's been with me every step of the way. Never really meant to reject him like I have, but I'm so thankful I've in my life. Got an amazing family, amazing wife. And I would recommend to anybody that wants to be stubborn, don't fight God, just go with him. Because there is no other happiness you'll ever find, no way to be happy until you find the love of God and the comfort that he'll give you no matter what kind of circumstance you have. Don't ever forget it. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. What a great day. Stand with me this morning. We'll go before the Lord in prayer today as we dismiss our service. Or I could sing some baptismal songs. Anybody know any baptismal songs? I'm trying to find. What was that? They baptized Jesse Taylor in Cedar Creek last Sunday. Jesus gained a good and strong man, didn't he? Amen. God bless you. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Father God, in Jesus' name, thank you for this day, Lord, our time in the house of God. Thank you for every single person that has been in this house today. I recognize, oh, Lord God, that they came here to honor you and, Lord God, to, to love their friends, but still to honor you as well. And, Father, participate in this joyous day. We thank you, Lord God, for who you are and what you've done in our lives. We give our lives to you to live for you from this day and this day forward. Lord, loving you. Lord God, living a life of praise and joy. And, Lord God, we give you glory and all glory. Everybody say this way. Say, Dear Father. Thank you, Lord. Great things you have done. In Jesus' name, shout hallelujah, and you're dismissed. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son 
Jesus Christ to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.